Welcome everybody to the Moose Room. OG3 here, and we are back with another outstanding guest for this week's episode. Uh, I'm really excited about this guest. It is a dairy producer that I have worked with since I started an extension. And so I'm really excited to have her on. We are joined by Stearns County dairy farmer, Lisa Gretsch. Hey, Lisa. Hello. So just to kick things off, why don't you briefly give us you know, the short 60 second rundown of your farm. 60 seconds, huh? If you know me well enough, Emily, you know 60 seconds probably is not enough for anything. Else. I know, but I knew I had to limit you. <laughs> right, there it goes. Okay, uh, Steve and I got married about 32 and a half years ago, started with 40 cows, bought his, uh, his family farm. Um, to the 1997, we built our first freestyle barn. About 150 cows or so, double seven parlor. And then in 2011, we expanded again, added, uh, retrofitted our barn, added onto the barn and put in four robots and now milking 260 cows for 10 years already. We're in the robots. So, yes, I, I remember when the robots went in, it was quite oh. the fanfare and you yes it was just no, no stress moments here at all i tell you no yes yeah. yeah i know it was not stressful for you guys ever so well good now that we have just a little background on on who you are and and what you do because you are a guest we do have two super secret questions that we're going to ask you so question 1 what is your favorite breed of beef cattle Oh, for heaven's sakes. Why guess that? Okay. Um, well, I guess I'm going to have to say Angus just because that's what we have. We haven't bred with any others. Basically, from what I'm told, you get paid better for the black hides. So that's where we went. Well, that is one of the correct answers. Not according to Bradley, but... but no, the correct answer is Hereford. Red. Oh, Hereford. No. Oh. All right. No, no. no. So uh, <laughs> let's update the totals quick. Um, that puts Black Angus out in front. Two ahead of Hereford with 10. Herefords are at eight. Black Baldies at four. Belted Galloway two. Scottish Highlander two. Red Angus two. And then all with one. Stabilizer, Gelvy, Brahmin, Keenina, Charlay, Sinclair, <laughs> Jersey, Normandy, and Shorthorn. All right. So super secret question number two. Maybe you figured it out. What's your favorite breed of dairy cattle? Oh, well, I guess I'd go whole scene with that one just because. Yeah. Joe's like, no, um, I have to go go with the whole scene just because that's what we have. We've been able to work well with them with production and butterfat. And of course, our kids, our youngest now is trying for the Jersey or Brown Swiss to move some of those into the herd. So we'll see where that. <laughs> we, we only accept Jersey as the correct answer. So oh, no, <laughs> absolutely. Jersey is the correct answer, but that no. Does- that's fine. It's fine. We have some red and white Holsteins too. So there you go. we'll go some of those. But the, the jerseys, because our barn is truly, truly built for 18, 15, 18 hard pound Holsteins, jerseys mm-hmm. are, it's a really tough fit for them for here for right now. So barn has to be built correctly for jerseys. But well, they could sit two in a stall. It'd be fine. <laughs> <laughs> one backwards, one forwards. Yeah, yeah, that's how that would go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. With the totals on the dairy side, we've got Holstein's really pulling away here at 16. Jersey's at 11. Brown Swiss at five. Montbelliard at three. Dutch Belted at two. Normandy at two. And one Guernsey named Taffy. 
Uh, one Guernsey named Taffy. Now that we have all that uh, riffraff out of the way here and, and got that vital information that we needed from you, Lisa, I was really excited uh, when, when the three of us discussed having you on. And there are just so many things about your dairy and your farm, I think, to get excited about, at least from my point of view. And as I mentioned, I've, I've known you for, well, let's see, since I started an extension. So close to nine years, eight years, somewhere in there. And so I feel like kind of from the outsider looking in perspective, I've really seen a lot of things, you know, grow and change. And you guys kind of learn from your lessons and making decisions based on that. And it's just been really incredible. So yes, as Joe said, Bradley and I have really been talking you up and I'm just like, yeah, Lisa's the best. <laughs> wow. How do you even have a comment after that? Well, instead of comments, we can uh, maybe go into some questions. So I'm going to start something with me that I think you do so well on your farm is you have a focus on, on how you manage your farm. And we talk about management a lot on this podcast. And also the the culture that you build around your farm. And you guys are very family focused. And I think you've put a lot of thought into how you can keep that family focus as a part of your farm business. So why don't you just tell us a little bit about, you know, your culture and, and how you keep your family involved and all of that. The family. Um, so Steve and myself, obviously, and then our three grown children. They're all in egg in one way or the other. Oldest is a veterinarian in upstate New York. She always says northern New York, not upstate. Large animal vet up there. Uh, and then Matthew's just been home with us now for two years full time and talking about ownership now um, after he's kind of gotten through the, okay, do I really want to work with my parents forever kind of moment. And then uh, our youngest now, Caitlin, um, has moved back to Stearns County from South Dakota and has found a full-time job and is now uh, tinkering in the part-time position here for Gretch with Gretsch Dairy. And hopefully, you know, where that leads, we don't know just yet. She's the one, of course, that would go jerseys all the way, just so you know, Brad, she'd be all about it. But, you know, again, let's can, let's make the barn what it needs to be before we bring in those little, little girls. So, you know, my brother works with us. Uh, my nephew works with us. My dad's been here way more days than he probably even can count doing all kinds of odd jobs. And then our, our staff and our crew, I would like to consider them family after, you know, you get through that training time where you're asking them things, you know, about their lives because they're giving up part of their life to help you and help us succeed. So I feel like that's that's a pretty big deal to try and get to know them as people and, and maybe understand some of the things they're going through. Teenagers, everyone knows it's it's <laughs> it can be really difficult to employ a teenager. Their lives are full on. But I also feel that they are the ones you need to invest some time in, have conversations with, treat them like people, not just employees and laborers. I tried to find myself um, at it and thinking about that on a weekly basis, but the best advice I'd ever heard at one of our first employee meetings on how to employ people was to put a penny in your pocket for every employee you have. And by the end of the day, move those pennies after you've chatted with everyone. Now, that's not practical for me, maybe once a week type thing. So moving those pennies to the other pocket by the end of the week, just to make sure we have a face-to-face there's things that they won't tell you via text. Granted, they're all amazing at texting, 
but there's things that you can talk with them in person about that they won't share, you know, with technology. So it's important to have those conversations. Is that hopefully that answers your question? Yeah, I think that's perfect. That was such a, a great answer and, and, you know, music to my ears. We, we know how important that social connection can be just for, you know, employee retention and general employee happiness. And of course, there's that mental health component there, too. You know, knowing that somebody cares and, and wants to know what's going on outside of just work uh, is really important. And so I think it's so great that you've just integrated all of these things in into what you're doing and, and that you admit that it's not perfect and, and you can't do it as much as maybe you would like to. But the fact that you're doing it and you're trying, that's so great. Well, and I find that, you know, we put in the robots to deal with less people. Isn't that hilarious? Because we have more employees now than we've ever had, because it's more of a, a a way for us to manage, have more time for managing all the things that there are to manage. And and I'm so proud of the idea of employing local high schoolers, local adults, you know, supporting the community with that kind of a thing, right? With payroll. You know, I've had the chance to meet and talk to some of your employees, and they're all you know, very friendly and seem very happy where they are and, you know, are always kind of excited about what they're doing. We did some visiting here a couple of weeks back, like the first Sunday of January, we had a celebrating 10 years of the robot party. So we invited everybody that was employed more than a few months over the last 10 years. And a lot of people weren't there, but it was so fun to see some of the ones that we hadn't seen in years, you know, to, and some are married and have children. And you're like, how is that possible? <laughs> Oh, that's great. Yeah, it was fun. Yeah, it was fun. One of the reasons that we have Lisa on is is that we're excited about this culture that she's built on her farm and how much importance that she's put on it. But it's also because she's extremely successful in the dairy industry. Their farm does really, really well on the production side. Um, 2021 was a little bit of a challenge. We, we dealt with some Klebsiella. If anybody's ever dealt with some of that, that bit us pretty hard because we had never, and we were, we struggled a little while till we figured out what was going on and how to, to combat it a little bit and what to do with those girls straight out of the gate. Don't think twice, just do this, this, and this. Um, so I believe our per robot is, it's funny that we're talking about production. Laylee just sent out their numbers and I believe we hit a 95 pound fat protein corrected milk for uh, 2021. So good production and not anywhere near that I take any of that credit. You've got everything from forages that my husband does an amazing job with. You know, you talk with your nutritionist who does the rations and keeps up with things. You've got our employees who maintain those girls and make sure that there's, there's healthy cows down there because sick cows do not produce, correct? I, I feel like I take so I shouldn't take hardly any of the credit because all that stuff goes to so many people. The thing that I've seen, at least when I was in practice and I was I was running around all these different farms, is that it's very rare to find a farm that has really, really good production that doesn't also have some element of having a great culture on their place. So when you're talking about like really appreciating employees and making time for them and doing all those things. Can you really see how much that directly impacts production or is that kind of just a bunch of little things that add up over time that that kind of make it easier to, to hit those big numbers? 
Steve's one of his famous things are saying kind of what he says is about doing the little things right continuously. You know, when you put the crop in the ground and you harvest that, you know, to be able to concentrate those 48 hours of that silage pile, how critical those 48 hours are and how long they are. But if everyone doesn't stay on on task and get things done the way we're supposed to for a whole year, we have not the highest quality of feed we could have, correct? Same with our employees showing up every day from, you know, taking care of baby calves to her health, those little things every day, watching for a ketata cow, watching for a sore foot, watching for a cow that they're fetching. You know, it's amazing. Our high schoolers will leave me a little list. This cow, I don't learn my fetch, but I had to fetch her today. This cow really got up hard or she really limped on her back right foot. Those notes are priceless to me because I am not out with those girls every single day like they are three, four, five times a week, whatever they're here. So I, I am indebted to them for their attention to our animals and considering that for them to consider their part of their critters. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And I, I don't think that happens without, you know, from the top down, providing that example and making that culture so that people feel like they are part of the team. Uh, and that's like, I love that saying, though, doing all the little things right continuously is really what makes everything go. It's a daily grind, but it all adds together. It's all connected. I, I love that that attitude towards the dairy. Yeah. And you can have one one person that's not part of the team and doesn't pull the weight that can yank that team down so quickly. And then we talk about and this is a, a saying from someone that I had met and he's talked about corner posts in your business. And who are your corner posts that hold up the entire fence? And then your part-timers, they can fill in those little gaps, but those four or five or six corner posts, you know, the posts that hold up the whole fence, you know, that's your herd manager, Steve and myself, you know, uh, my brother, Doug, who's been with us for over 20 years, you know, you talk to those people and now Matt coming on board, putting him as a corner post to how important those people are to maintain their satisfaction in their jobs you know, where they feel like they're growing as a, as a person and not just, we're just here doing the work. You want them to be part of what we're succeeding in. You mentioned that you've had robots for 10 years and, and Bradley really wants to talk about robots and, and all the other <laughs> things that go on. And you have some sensors out there, I'm sure. So Brad can get into that mm -hmm. as well. But the decision to go to robots, I find it really funny. You already said that you have more employees in how than you ever have in the past. And, but what led to the decision initially? To, to put the robots in? What, what was your thought behind that? Um, it was basically because we wanted to milk more than twice a day and we didn't want to have another, another shift. Um, I usually did the evening shift with one of the high school kids and Steve did the morning shift with a part-timer um, that we had hired for the days. And it just, we knew that if we did a third shift, it was just chaos to what our normal schedules were. So the robots became very enticing on that part. And then obviously there was some changes to our barn that we made that was uh, really good choices from going to sand versus the mattresses and sawdust. Granted, there's a maintenance thing with that. It's a, it's a lot harder to handle the manure. But once we came up with the manure system, it just seemed like the right thing to do. I don't know. I, I just think it felt like the right thing to do, even though it was a really big investment for us. It's a huge investment, no doubt about that. I mean, the robots are expensive, and it's not like you can you could get away with just one. Uh, you had to have four, right? 
you guys have right. Four. Well, we needed three for sure, but yeah, yeah. We, we being we were adding on to the barn, then it made perfect sense to make sure we had enough for four. I know, I know, it's been a while since you put them in, but like going into having robots, did you have any expectations about what would happen that that really turned out to be correct? And then also the other side of that, did you have any expectations that just were way off and and didn't really uh, didn't really match up? The I would say that. Um, going into it i'm uh i'm an easily excited about the little things kind of person and so i was elated about this whole experience and about whatever and it was exhausting so there was about two minutes of my life where i'm like oh my gosh what did we do but it took that two minute walk from the barn to the house and by the time i got to the house i went we've got this we're determined people we've got a lot of people that are around us that will help us with whatever we need. We had a good crew at that time. We had good people behind us from nutritionists to veterinarians. You know, we had that that core group that could help. And along with extension, you know, Jim Salper was big on helping us kind of talk through some of these things. And uh, I would say one of the things that that came true was higher milk production. Steve definitely set it out of the gate. We can get up to that 9,500 pounds. And I was like, really? because I don't think we ever saw more than like an 82 in our parlor. So he, his, his thoughts and his expectations came true on that for sure. And for me, I thought our labor would be as it was or less. And that just totally was incorrect. And I'm, I'm glad it was, honestly, I feel that our farm runs better with more people. It's not always easy to be the HR because that's a hat no one picks up off the floor. So you have to, <laughs> you know, oh, Lisa can do that. Um, and I, I do believe I am the person for the job. It's just, I don't always want the job, you know. That's perfectly understandable. That's a tough hat yeah. to wear. You mentioned Jim Salfer, one of our regional educators is excellent. So is Marcia Endress, who's on the dairy team as well at the state level. They put on a a YouTube channel show pretty consistently where they have people from robotic theories on. And one of the stories that I listened to when I watched that was that uh, at one point you guys had saw a dip in your components and it was because the silage face had dried out and it took you a little bit because it, I mean, it was hot, dry this summer. We all know that in Minnesota, it took you guys just a little bit to figure out, okay, that must be what's going on and adjust and everything was, was good again, pretty quickly. Do you think you would have noticed something like that before you had robots as quickly as you did? Or would you just not have had time to even pick up on that? We definitely wouldn't have noticed it as quickly. I mean, you'd have seen it in your ball tank samples, but the, the data that we get is priceless, absolutely priceless from the rumination to the activity to the components, the 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 scale, you know, the cow's weight, you know, all those visits, you can see which cows are really doing things. And some of the cows that you're like, oh, she's a little slow, but she's fine. It really helps you analyze, is she the right cow to breed back? Is she the right cow for a herd? So we, uh, this is probably four years ago, we were, you know, way more cows than what we needed. And we helped a farm start up by, uh, in, a, in a small town near here. And he was willing to purchase our slow cows. So we called sold milk cows to him and one in particular was milking over 100 pounds but she was one of those slow milking cows that you just can't have when you're full anyway you can't have those cows that just take up too much robot time so the all the data 
is is huge, huge, huge. And you're right, you wouldn't have seen that that silage making the difference had you not seen all the all the numbers. Yeah, that's that's a huge piece. You know, the data is 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 massive, and what to do with it is a big question for a lot of people because there's so much of it. But being able to see even those simple things on a day to day basis instead of having to wait to to see that that number change that I mean, that's money that you guys saved immediately. You, you saved it in days rather than potentially weeks to figure out that something was wrong. So uh, it's a big, big change. Right. I mean, it, the the data is something that was overwhelming in the beginning. I, I would full on admit that. But it, it is about finding your two or three or five reports you stare at every morning. And then some of the other ones you maybe pay attention to once a week or once a month. You know, everything like cow flow. I do that every Sunday night or Monday morning. So we understand how many are calving in, how many were drying off. You know, um, cows that were moving into the close up pen, cows that need vaccinations that week. So it's it's become a scheduled thing. And some of those reports are critical to getting that information easily. Well, I think the reports is key because Brad has talked a bunch about just having an overwhelming amount of data and, and what to do with it, but having a, it condensed into what you really need is, is key. So that's really nice. Brad's been working on uh, a question for you, I think for a while about, uh, and it, it's potentially a tough question. I'm not going to lie. So Brad, why don't you take it away? Well, now, you, now you're putting me on the spot to remember what my question was. I think I know what it was. Well, at least I've been thinking about one. Joe can tell me if I'm wrong, or Emily probably will anyways. But. <laughs> so the, the question I have is, as you think about in, in the future, what, what's going to happen? So you've invested all of this money uh, in, in robots. And will you, in five years or 10 years, do you have to reinvest in robots, you know, Obviously, just like the rest of us, if we have old parlors or old barns, we have to upgrade to new facilities, kind of like what you did 10 years ago with robots. 10 years later, are you going to have to put new robots in and invest another million or $2 million? Uh, you know, if you have three robots, well, now maybe you decide we're going to go six robots or seven and expand. So any thoughts about that? I would think... I don't I, I think it's a necessity to think about those things. And I, I, I don't think you're doing yourself a favor by avoiding those thoughts. So, yes, we definitely have talked about it. Our original thought was, OK, for sure, we're going to go 10 years with these robots. We're there. Um, and someone asked Steve that question, you know, how long do you think these will last at our 10 year get together? And uh, one of the parents of one of the kids that works for us. And Steve's like, we'd like to see another five years out of them. But, and that but is in big letters, if something changes with our children, you know, if Kate decides that this is where she wants to be, if Matt wants to continue to own more, um, then an, another barn and double. So you go eight robots or do you add two onto this barn? You know, like we've been in those conversations with our children and each other. Like I said, you're not doing yourself a favor by not thinking about those things. I, we want to see the next generation here, but it is up to them what happens with Gretsch Deary if they buy in. If they decide to go a whole nother route, do you start your own, make your own cheese or do yogurt or do you do any of that? Completely up to them at this point. We'd stand behind them and beside them and, and help them get there. Uh, we've had our chance to grow and be successful in our dairy. Not that I feel like we're on our way out. But I, I feel like if they're ready for that change, that we will go through that with them. 
Well, that that is interesting because I think a lot of people are while they're having those conversations, even as other people, uh, you know, younger generation comes into the dairy business, and it's not just about milking cows anymore. There's right. a lot of other things going on. You know, whether you do cheese or you know whatever what whatever that might happen or look like into the future, it's not just about blood, sweat, and tears, uh, spending 24 hours a day with the cows. And I think that has changed a lot with, with, the, with robots. And we were the, the early adopter in the state uh, being able to do that and, and be out front. Even from our perspective, and some of us have known it, even at the university, we've explored robots. And those are the questions that we talk about right away is, well, in 10 or 15 years, who we're going to put new robots into and, and how we're going to do this. So saying you want robots and putting them in are two different thoughts. And you have to be the right person. If you're one of those people that just absolutely thinks you're going to put those in and you're going to go out and be in the field because you want to be doing crop work, maybe, I mean, you know, maybe, but I, I have a hard time believing that you'd be, um, the 95 pound tank is going to be pretty hard to reach if if you really just are out there scraping manure and pushing a few cows in and walking away every day. I just don't, I don't see that. So, you know, for us to hire a herd manager, that was a big step for me because I felt like I was somewhat losing a job, like I was being replaced. But after it was done, I realized how very critical that was to us being more successful because I had time to do all those things that I just wasn't getting done. I still really, really enjoy being in the calf barn and enjoy supervising um, in the dairy barn, in the robot barn. I consider myself the dairy manager and that's kind of one of my titles and one of my hats, um, much more than I enjoyed actually being in there doing all the herd work, you know, everything from, from you know, treatments to just going to find the cow, just see what she looks like. So I'm, I'm in a better place in my job, I feel so. You know, to kind of follow up on that, any thoughts on going fully automated? You know, you've kind of started with robots. What about putting in, you know, the TMR feeders and just fully automated type facilities and so you can have more downtime and do fun things? Would you would you be surprised to hear that we actually looked at those? Huh? Um, we we have um the way things are set up currently it would be a really truly big big undertaking to get it all to work the way it's supposed to our our robot barn is quite a distance from our far off pen and our close-up pen and our heifers so you'd only be able to use it for your dairy barn sure can you make that work but we still have to have a tmr and a tractor so do we keep going the way we are for right now yeah does that change how things are done in the future? I don't know yet. I mean, do they want to do that for something in the future? Maybe, but they have looked at it. They actually, um, the, they, oh gosh, it's been a few years already before the first one was put in, we looked at it already. So one of the things I've heard about, and, and there's even been studies on it, you know, we talk about before robots and after robots looking at, did labor actually decrease, which we, <laughs> we, we know is not true, right? But, right. but there are some benefits, right? And the thing that I consistently hear is that while you have probably the same amount of labor, it's a little different, but what you gain is flexibility, which is something that's kind of foreign to anything in the dairy industry. You know, usually it's, I got to milk here and here, and it doesn't matter what's going on. I got to be home. So have you seen that change things on the farm, that flexibility? 
Absolutely. There, that is, I, I know that is one of the top two things Steve and I would both mention. If you ask him and you ask myself, what's the best thing that's come out of this flexibility will be the first or second answer out of both of our mouths. What's up, everybody? This is Dr. Joe Armstrong. Episode got too long. We had too much to talk about, too much good information, and we're going to cut it there to keep things short. You'll have to come back next week to finish the conversation. If you have questions, comments, scathing rebuttals, please send them to the moosroom at umn.edu. That's T-H-E-M-O-O-S-R-O-O-M at umn.edu. If you have a question you'd like to ask us on a voicemail, call 612-624-3610. That's 612-624-3610. Visit the Extension website, extension.umn.edu. Check us out on Twitter at umnmoosroom. Thanks, everybody. We'll catch you next week.